Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode three of Jeff Has Cool Friends. I'm Jeff May, and I have cool friends. And with me, I have brought one of my favorite people on the planet to come and talk to me. Somebody that I have been wanting to talk to on a podcast for quite some time, never could get the scheduling down, but now nobody's going anywhere. So uh, I would like to welcome uh, the amazing, talented host, producer, actor, just all around talent and super nerd, Elena Jordan. Elena, hi. Hello, hello. I am so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. Uh, you are, uh, you're one of my older friends in LA. I mean, older as in um, you have been my friend for sort of the longer uh, era out here. We met at the comedy store doing a bringer show that we didn't know was a bringer show. Uh, yeah, we, surprises. Yeah, it was really one of those things. <laughs> that's the thing about stand-up comedy that people never really get. It was like when you come out in LA and people are like, you want to perform at the comedy store? And you're like, I sure do. And then they're like, great, bring like seven people and you get no money. And then you have to work for five minutes. Make me, yeah. a, make me $150 and I'll let you talk for five minutes at a place that nobody cares you're talking. With the not exactly the best food with like a food minimum and a drink minimum. And you're like, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, all my friends want to do that. We have allotted uh, <laughs> a lot of these places. They're like, eat your chicken fingers and shut the f up. And <laughs> and that's really the vibe that comedy really needs, I think. But um, so we met there and, and I was like, oh, I like this person. And, and I, I friended you and we became friends. And I found out you're like a power nerd. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, this is like my favorite person now. Um, I think it was like I, I saw you you were uh, cosplaying as Sonya Blade. Uh, yeah. I, I, I saw that costume and I was just like, oh, okay, I can fuck with this person. And then we've just... That was, that was surprisingly enough. That I think the picture that you saw was for a music video that was like a weird... Back when Machinima was doing stuff, it was for a thing called I Love Video Games with... Patrice, the guy who did the Friday with Rebecca Black. <laughs> of course. And so I really wanted to do it because they were like, you can pick whatever video game character you want. And it's with the guy who did the Friday song. And I was like, 100% in. You're like, this is everything that I could have possibly asked for. Why, why wouldn't I want to do that? That, that, is, uh, that is something really cool. There's, you know, you find, I think, especially in LA, but I think everywhere you find your tribe. This is a, an interesting way to view it, but you and I are alike in a lot of ways, in, in almost a lot of alarming ways, where the the symmetry has gone through where it perfectly makes sense that we would be friends, even to the point of like weird quarantine things that we picked up. Um, whereas like we both, for example, we, we both did like kind of like a fitness journey during quarantine. Yeah, mine was after I gained like just an ungodly amount of weight in a very short amount of time. And I was like, I Same. can't move. Yeah. Walking up my stairs is hard. So I, I, I think <laughs> so, I, yeah, I, was, I gained about 10 pounds over quarantine over the first couple of months. But then I think there's like that switch that hit me where, you know, and there was a lot of external factors as well, where I was just like, oh, my white, my, my entire life has crumbled. Uh, I need to fix something. And then I started sort of exercising. So I wanted to congratulate you because you posted a uh, a body transformation photo. And, and I was just in immediately just blown away at the hard work that you did. So uh, shout out to you for that. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, what'd you do? 
I'm doing a, um, it's a new program that actually they just announced. So good timing that you're asking me now. It comes nice. out uh, next week. Um, it's called Let's Get Up. Uh, it's with Sean T, you know, the guy who did Insanity. Okay. Yeah. Back when, okay. So I tried to do Insanity when it first came out years ago and could not get through the first. It's brutal. Thing. Like I was yeah. like, I'm, this is going to kill me. I'm going to die. So no. Um, so I was kind of apprehensive when they did this, but it's all like dance workout. And so their whole thing is like body positivity. So it's not necessarily like focused so much on weight loss more so than like building strength and ability and just like feel good mentality and stuff. So health, yeah, getting healthy for the sake of health, basically wellness. I do get a lot Um, of, a lot of people will ask me about like, you know, oh, I want to lose weight. They'll, they'll, they'll send me messages like I want to get in shape or I want to lose weight. And I'm like, well, that's not how you should enter this. Like, don't yeah. like get rid of the scale. Just throw the scale out. Like, just do you look better in the in the mirror to you? And do you feel better? And so I'm glad that that program is sort of focusing on that. I think that's pretty rad. Yeah, I think that was really cool because that was kind of one thing that I was a little apprehensive of because a lot of diet and exercise things kind of promote some unhealthy weight loss because the focus is the results. And so it like, yeah. And so because this was not focused on that and was actually attainable and something that I can keep doing, even because for us, it ends next week, our like little group that we've had. So your pilot program Um, kind of a thing. Yeah. Well, it's weird because we, we, it was supposed to only last a short amount of time. And because we all just, really clicked our particular group so it just kind of kept going and then they were like okay well now it's coming out so like we have to we have to wrap this up at some point so you're like but we don't um, want to do that but we don't want to so it's like shout out to everybody in the group and shout out to everybody at Beachbody because it's been pretty amazing so i actually won an award this year too for an interview about body positivity so i was like if this was something that was like unhealthy i would feel like such a hypocrite so i'm so glad that all the ads that have come out have been just like you know don't feel bad about wherever you are it's not about not liking how you look it's about just celebrating your own journey. You won a Golden Creator with Conscious AVA Award for your body positivity interview with Jamila Jamil. In case you're wondering if I did my research, I absolutely oh, did. look at you. Um, uh, <laughs> that's why I'm here. I'm here to make you look good. It is It is interesting though, because it was uh, with somebody who was very big. It's that's She's such a fascinating character because uh, Jamila Jamil is, um, and I apologize if I'm saying her name wrong, but I don't think she's a subscriber, okay. so it's fine. You know, she is somebody who is very fit, uh, very active, very in the limelight, but very big on body positivity. Um, so it's it's really cool that you got there. And that was actually going to partner up with one of the other things I was saying of like our parallels is that you are a renowned short form interview uh, interviewer. Like you're really fantastic at short form interview, whereas my thing is long form interview. Um, so tell me, like, how did you get into short form interview and what are sort of like, how do you hone those talents? Like, how do you get it done? I'm a talker, so I need an hour. Well, the weird thing is, is a lot of what I've done has been kind of more longer form. Like I've done a lot of after shows that include the, the interview element with either cast or crew. Um, but it's been over the course of an hour where you're incorporating the interview throughout kind of trying to find organic ways, but the red carpet interviews are just a totally different thing. So when I started working for 
MEA worldwide. I started doing multiple red carpets in a week, pretty much, which is kind of unheard of before I had done like maybe two a month or so, because it would be like every other week I'd maybe do a carpet. And this was just like, nope, you're doing short form in studio interviews. And when you're not doing that, you're on the carpet. Um, so it was kind of an odd transition, but I do enjoy the long form interviews too. I'm chatty as well. You can tell. Yeah. Well, no, it, it is, it is something though, because like long form interview was not a talent that I, uh, thought or sought, you know, I didn't think I had it. And, and it wasn't until like, I started to realize like, oh, this is something that just kind of clicks with me. Um, I don't know how I could possibly get two minutes with somebody walking the red carpet having to do like, I wouldn't know how to be that specific because I do like, how, how do you get to the core of somebody's pathos or, or, or anything? Like, how do you get to them? So to see somebody do it well, blows me away. It's kind of the same formula that you have for long form, only it's just kind of consolidated. So you have kind of the kind of the icebreaker introduction question something that kind of builds, you know, some sort of authority. So it's something that's like, I know about your career. It's something that you personally liked them from, you know, whatever in their career, maybe something further back. And so then when they're like, okay, this is somebody who actually cares about me as an actual actor, instead of just asking like, what's your favorite thing on TV right now? Then you can ask the next thing, which is a little bit more honed in. Do you, and then you ask something really nice to promote at the very end. So then they don't walk away, not liking you. Do you, do you, <laughs> um, do you try to go esoteric with the, the things that you bring up? Like if somebody walks back, like if it was, you know, you have somebody walk in the red carpet and they show up and, and it's, um, any, anybody, someone from like Breaking Bad or something like that. And you bring up, you know, oh, Mike from Breaking Bad, you know, remember when you were in Gremlins or something like that? I loved you in Gremlins. It was so great. Or do you just like or is it more like you go for something that um, is more sort of well known? Well, I would introduce them first from what they know, from what people would know them for now, mm -hmm. because it would be like we're here with. And it's so funny you said Gremlins, because I actually did do that. Howie Mandel. <laughs> There it is. <laughs> he was the voice of Gizmo. Sure and everybody was. forgets that Howie Mandel was the voice of Gizmo. So we were talking, he was there to promote um, America's Got Talent, I think at one of the NBC press things. Um, but we talked first about America's Got Talent. And then one of the earlier questions that I asked was a, about Gremlins. And I was like, you are multi-talented in ways that a lot of people don't even remember. And talked about, you know, the Howie Mandel show and then talked about did Gremlins. You, Bobby's world. Did you talk about Bobby's world? Bobby's world. Yes. I loved Bobby's world. So oh. I brought up that in like the voice acting. And so then I was able to kind of ask some more questions about what he would like to do and kind of where, if, you know, ideally where his future could go. So, and then kind of get the break into maybe projects that are in the works, but maybe not announced. That's a great way to kind of kind of find out what's brewing without it officially being a thing. Yeah, it is sort of a way it's that's actually, you know, it, it's funny the way you were talking about that. But one of the ways that sort of like when I and we're going to talk about this in a second, because it's another parallel that we have. But when I started out um, going to comic book conventions back in the early 2000s, like real comic book conventions and meeting creators like I, I would I saw I saw this like rash of people that treated them like they were a commodity like all the artists and and writers and stuff that they they just wanted their signature 
and they weren't creating any connection with these people. They were just like, sign this. I like the stuff you do. And so I started to pick up like, oh, I'm going to start telling you the specific things that I like about you. Um, And I ended up and like getting a huge core of my friend group were these artists and writers that I met back in like 2004, where I was just like, hey, man, I love the way you drew that, you know, Peter Parker's expression and that, you know, one issue, it really blew me away. And, And they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah, man, like I pay attention and I like the work. And, you know, I'm not a fucking weirdo about it. I'm like, you have anything to sign? I'm like, no, nah, man, I just wanted to say hi. And it's talking like, about long form. And again, parallels. Uh, that's one of my favorite things is conventions is moderating things that are, you know, an hour, an hour plus, because some of these artists, there's a lot of people who are fans, but they don't really know how to articulate what exactly they like or, you know, specific or my favorite are Easter eggs that are kind of hidden in. Um, and kind of bringing those more to light and how it came to be. That that was one of that was going to be the next thing I talked about, which is another parallel of us is that we're both sort of like professional convention panel hosts. Like we've both uh, we've both done some. So I'm going to ask a couple of questions about that. Uh, I'm going to ask you some questions and you might you might have to think about this. So uh, I'm going to say give me um, maybe one or two of your favorite panels that you've ever done. My favorite. Um, I did. Like, who was it? And what I was did one with Jerry Conway. That was one oh, of the great. coolest experiences I think of my life, especially because he's so cool and so few people know his background and that he started writing when he started. He was working with Stan Lee when he was a teenager. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of people who, in Marvel w- were teens yeah. when they started. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, he just was a fan who was doing the, the write-in letters at like 10 and 11 and at 14 got hired as a staff, you know, writer. Yeah. And he's the one who talked Stan Lee, Spider-Man, one of my favorite characters, uh, talked him out of killing Aunt May and instead killing Mary Jane. Or oh, you I'm mean sorry, Gwen Stacy? Not Mary. Uh, <clears throat> it's okay. Ooh, excuse me. I know. You, yeah. The, the, the gaff made you choke. Gwen Stacy to then make way for Mary Jane. You know, it's funny. Sorry, I started choking because like Stanley was like, what did you say? Um, but How could Mary, you? But because, because Gwen was based on like Stan's wife and everything. Everyone was like, oh, my God, kid, like, shut up. Um, so it was pretty cool talking to him about how as a teenager, he was able to say, look, if you kill Aunt May, then Spider-Man has no more impetus to wake up and put on the suit and keep fighting because it's the guilt he feels looking at her sadness, knowing that uncle Ben's gone. So if you kill Gwen Stacy and it's in some way his fault, then you have ensured that he will be Spider-Man forever. You, you know, I was like, you are a genius at 14. I have that issue. I have an uh, amazing 121. I have it. Uh, I was actually trying to find it uh, in my like stack of books over here, but I do. I, I did get that because it was so important. And a lot of people don't know that about Jerry is that like he was, a, I mean, essentially co-creator of the Punisher as well yeah. and, and oh, very yeah. vocal about about certain groups of people that are taking the Punisher emblem as their own. And he's like, oh, what yeah. the hell is wrong with you? Jerry Conway, like, I mean, now even like very mm. outspoken. It's like, no, 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 This You are missing the point, boo-boo. Yeah. Like, yeah. Any, is, any yeah, cop that has the awesome. Punisher logo, you're just like, okay, this is wrong. But also it makes sense that you do this. What's funny, though, too, is he's just so chill. The reason that I think it was one of my all-time favorites was because 
a lot of times I interview kind of artists that I, I know that, you know, we've just kind of hung out and whatever. And I kind of already know them. I didn't really know Jerry at all, but we sit down. And so the very first thing that I asked was, I was like, okay, so I know you've probably answered this a million times, but I have to ask, why did you kill Gwen Stacy? Like, why, why? And he just goes, I just prefer redheads. And I was like, all right, we'll get out. Like, <laughs> and so just starting from the beginning, I was like, okay, this dude is just chill. He, he's like, you know what, what can I say? I am who I am and I he's like so what funny. I like. funny. He was like, sorry, Blondie. Like, I was like, thank you. Thank you. It's all right. More blondes <laughs> for the rest of us. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Jerry. Appreciate that. Uh, so give me, give me, do you have any other ones? There's so many that I've just absolutely loved. I love doing the um, the DC panels and getting to talk to multiple artists and also the writers as well as the inkers and getting, I mean every everybody just yeah. getting to speak like to everyone across the entire process and kind of seeing especially if you can kind of have people lined up where it's like okay this is who kind of decides what direction it's going to go this is who writes it this is who then goes back and edits it and has a greenlit to then move on to these stages and having those people there to talk about a single issue and bring it down the line was just a really really cool thing to be able to kind of highlight how that process works from the people directly it, it is really rad to show how that process works to people that don't understand it and and, and to give them that information to be like what does an editor do you know, like what's what? Why why do pencilers need inkers? Like, isn't inking just tracing? And then to see that sort of transition out uh, from that, uh, and and to give people that information is great. So now I'm going to ask a question, and uh, this is one of those ones that you you might choose to be very careful with how you answer it, and I understand why. Um, but are there any panels that you had that had any particular um, complications or panelists that you were like, oh, you know, I'm not sure I want to go with that. Cause I've had a few, uh, where when you're done with that, you're like, Hey, can you not have me work with that person anymore? Cause I've had ones where I wasn't expecting them to be great and they were amazing. Just like utterly fantastic. And once there was one I did with Corbin Burnson and I was just like, why are you here? And it was like such a fun experience to do where I was just like, this was so much fun. I don't even know if we talked about anything geeky in there, but still it was just an amazing panel. Um, but then I've had ones where people showed up late, they were, you know, standoffish, they didn't want to answer, or there wasn't like a big turnout when there could have been more. I know somebody uh, recently was telling me that they were hosting a panel for Peter David, and they put him up against Stan Lee, 13 people in the audience, and, and he's just yeah. like, well, why am I here? Uh, do you have any experiences like that? I, you know, I've, I've worked for some conventions where it just wasn't really very well organized. And it was one of those things that it was where you go and say, okay, so all these people are cleared. They're good to go. Like they know they're set. And it's like, oh no, I didn't ask them if they could do it. I just put them in like, they're just listed. And it's like, wait, they don't even know they're, you didn't ask if they wanted to do this. So like, I have had that situation where luckily you know i asked in advance so i was able to go around and talk to them and try to if they didn't want to do it find replacements that would make sense and would be like kind of you know an equivalent but it, it is kind of you know it, it's a stressful situation when things like that happen where you're like i'm a moderator i'm like what is happening yeah i don't control but, anything here like i'm a <laughs> i'm a pace and questions person like don't don't put this on me that i have to now book your 
Your con, yeah. I found some too. There was one, and I'll be honest, it was um, <laughs> it was one of the the first conventions I did in a great place in a specific location. I'm not going to say which specific course, thing yeah. it was, but it was one of the most fun I've ever had ever in my life. Was at this specific convention, but I was doing every single panel, either main stage or in a room, either as a speaker or as a moderator and did not have a break period did not have any breaks and so in between two panels i ran across the street to get some subway to eat and then like ran back and my glasses were all fogged up and i was all sweaty and breathing hard and it was awful and then i get on stage and i'm already exhausted and it's with like two of my favorite like i mean idols idols and Ooh. i was like yes I'm can you so, do names so on that one can't because of what I'm about to tell you. Okay. All right. That's fair. <laughs> well, I guess maybe I can, I don't, it's not, it's not exactly a secret, but they, they're two people who do not like each other, but they are two people who have created some of my all-time favorite characters and have worked for one of my all-time, if not my all-time favorite franchises. And so I was so excited Is it an- and I was told <laughs> specifically right before I walked on stage, you have to sit in between the two of them. And I was like, okay. And they were like, they can't sit next to each other. And I was like, okay, like weird. So I go and sit down. I did not know that they absolutely despise each other. The reason they can't sit next to each other is because they'll physically like push and hit each other. And these are grown adult men that I have like respected since I was a child. And I was like, no, they were saying biting things. I was basically having to like babysit in the middle of asking these two people that I was like in awe of. And I was like, what is, okay. I, um. I have a theory on who it might be, but I can't obviously, you know, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't blow up your spot in that case. But in comics, especially when it comes to like who created whom and how much ownership is there, sometimes it gets uh, it gets dirty sometimes. I mean, people are people. And sometimes, especially with talent, let's be honest here. A lot of very talented people can be huge. Oh, definitely. Like, and it's one of those things. There are people that are famous, like they're famous for being like, oh, this person was a very good talent uh, or or, or this person is very professional, famous. Uh, Like I had that one with uh, and I'll I'll even say the name because we have a one sided feud, uh, which was Lou Ferrigno. (laughs) Uh, Lou Ferrigno, I've hosted panels for plenty of times and he's always treated me like garbage. But then when he's on, I've, I've like worked out in the gym with him uh, and it ended up like fall it, like the whole thing where I was just like, oh man, this guy is awful, but he is super professional. He put on one hell of a panel. I will say this. He was booked for an hour and the first before he even said hi to me, he was like 30 minutes. That's it. And I'm done. And I was just like, I'm sorry. And he showed up at um, the after 30 so like it was like from 10 to 11 and he showed up at 10 30 which meant from 10 to 10 30 i had to sit there with an entire crowd of people and hold an impromptu panel about i I think i did it about like uh following your dreams and like working in entertainment from like a realistic standpoint but then he showed up and he gave this incredible incredible moment where you know he was like animated and telling these stories and everybody was into it Um, and like, you can be like, Hey, everybody, that was so much fun, blah, blah, blah. And then afterwards I was just like, I don't know. I don't want to work with him anymore. (laughs) 
It's just what happens. I mean, that's fair. I, there's nobody that I've just been like, I'm just not going to work with this person anymore. But there are people that I'm like, I just have to mentally prepare before I go into it that I'm like, all right, like yeah. just depending on who's going to be there, just be aware that, you know, oh, you I may have to rate them in a little bit. I'll work with that person again, but I'm going to be like, hey, man, if I uh, if I don't have to. Uh, just let me know. There was one panel that I did and it was a, it was a small market. <laughs> it was a small market at a con and the people were that were running the con were from out of town and they weren't particularly like they weren't the talent. They were people that were like organizing stuff. And there were like three famous people that had panels. And so like the dude that was running the panels and doing the booking took the three big names for himself but he was awful. Like he didn't know how to host a panel. He just wanted to get buddy buddy with celebrities. And I looked at him and and when he told me what he was doing and I was like, dude, he was like, I'm going to take these three. And I was like, look, man, you can do that. That's perfectly fine. I just want you to know you might be getting in a little over your head. Like, don't be afraid to spread that out a little bit. And he was like, no, 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 this is going to be great. And it was like, I went to one of the panels and it was just terrible. I was like, Oof. that is the worst too. I've, I've definitely had that experience where there have been certain people that are like, okay, well, I'm going to lead this. And you know, this is, I'm in charge of this. And then they like have their phones, like desperately, like looking for things. And you're like, oh my God, what is happening? Yeah. But you're- you know, I mean, my whole thing is I'm like, look, if I'm not on stage, if, if you want to do it, then you go for it if it's something that i'm in charge of like all the panels like i'm like overseeing something as like a program director standpoint then i'll be like no i'm gonna you know shut that down but if i'm just there as a moderator i'm like go for it man like sink your own ship i'm less work for me (laughs) honestly the less work for me aspect of it's pretty pretty good because i remember there was one con that i did five in a day i did five panels of hosting and like afterwards you just sit there and you're like oh i'm gonna die you did seven seven and the cosplay contest after, so technically eight, because then I hosted it. You're a goddamn hero. That was like, the day that I was like, what is happening? That was when I was like, I'm going to freaking strangle somebody. I'm so tired. I've barely been able to eat. And then like, this has been the highlight of my day was waiting for this moment. And I'm like, you two are acting like children. Yeah. You're like, stop it. <laughs> stop it both. You should have gotten like a spray bottle and just no. That's how it felt. And I was like, what is happening? Like. Focus up, focus up. Remember when you like created something that you weren't supposed to and you were like, F you guys, because this demographic needs to be represented and this is a huge milestone in the history of comics. And they're like, I don't like him. I'm like, oh my God. Oh, you're like, oh God. I mean, but that, (laughs) you know, it's funny, like when you think about it and you look at it and, and you look at all the sort of creators in there and you look at the feuds and some of them are just so like brutally out there when you look at like, you know, like think about like Jack Kirby and Stan Lee and you look at like all, all their stuff and, and you, and, and what, what that has created in fandom now where like Stan Lee, you know, might not, he, you know, he seems like a nice guy. He's like, he's a nice guy, good guy, blah, blah, blah. And everything like that. A lot of people have been soured on him as a person because of the feuds of between him and Ditko and between him and Kirby and about like creator ownership and throwing people under the bus and blah, 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 and stuff that you hear from hearsay or you hear from other people. And then that influences how you, you now view this person. Um, so I can see how that, you know, still keeps happening with creators nowadays. 
And especially with it going back to like, you know, they started again, as we were saying, a lot of them when they were very young, when they were teenagers and, you know, you kind of get halted in that mentality when you're, when you're doing that job that you did as a teenager now, 50 plus years later, right. It's like, okay, well, you know, maybe your, your kind of teenage feud mentality kind of sticks. So it's like, all right, well. I remember I I did an interview. I did it. I did an episode with um a person who was has been writing for comics for you know thirty five years or something like that, and had gotten it was notably in trouble for being uh a little bristly, a little kind of like saying very inappropriate things, and also being inappropriate with women. Um, and he he was like, I was a comedian in the eighties, and. I think he said something on the show where he was just like, hey, you know, it's like you can't it's like you can't even say this stuff anymore. And I was just like, I feel like you never could. It's just we did like and that's something that I think nowadays we should recognize is that like it's not that you can't say anything anymore. It's just that you weren't supposed to in the first place. And but these guys do carry that sort of mentality. It's hard to shuffle off thoughts. Uh, that you've held on to for 20 years, 25 years, and to just sort of be like, oh, okay, like maybe the majority of my life I may have been wrong about something, you know? Yeah, especially when it's like your work is praised too for how great it is. And you're like, well, a lot of it had stuff in it. You're like, yeah, but that was also in the 90s when we like expected, like, I don't know. You know what? (laughs) I I was talking recently um, with uh, a friend of mine about uh, movies in the 80s. And and like how you're just like it, how hard it is to find anything that's not problematic. How you're just wow. like you're watching something and you're like, oh, there's the gay joke. Okay, there it is. Yep. There's um, so many things that I've rewatched that I was like, oh my god, I forgot that this is just awful. Like I just am like, this is horrendous. Do, do you does that turn you off or do you accept the time the timing and be like, all right, well, this is frozen in a moment and. I appreciate it, but, or is it more like, you're like, I don't need this. Like, this isn't exactly what I thought it was. And Bill and Ted using homophobic slurs at each other all the time or whatever. We don't, I don't need that. It's to me, it's kind of specific to the actual, to each work. Like it's not like a all or nothing type deal. It's kind of, if it's meant in a way where something is said colloquially at that time, but it's not meant to be offensive, but you know, it, it's like the intention behind it isn't, but it's just that it's like yeah, people use terminology that were, that was different at a specific time where like Bill and Ted, where they're, you know, just saying, you know, like, like homophobic all the time, yeah. or whatever, like home. Yeah. Versus like, I go back and watch, you know, Ace Ventura when it's like the big joke is that it's somebody who is transgender and it's like, that's not, you know, and it's like, yeah. it's so, if, if the whole thing is focused on let's belittle someone else and that's yeah. the joke and we're going to pretend that like every, that this person is somehow disgusting for existing, then to me, I'm like, I don't really want to watch that anymore. I don't really want to support that specific thing. Yeah. Uh, I read somewhere that Jim Carrey was very against that ending. Um, that information, which is why he's so over the top at during that sort of portion of the of the film where he's over the top throughout, you know, but he's like really over the top. because like I thought people would kind of get that, but it's hard when you're Jim Carrey and you're 
being yeah. Jim Carrey in there. But yeah, it is. But see, the thing is, is it's also like, I mean, it's great for him to say that now, but it's also like, okay, but if you were really against it at that time, if you saw it as problematic at that time, you're the face of the poster. Yeah. You're the title character. So just say, let's change this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, or, or at least say in interviews that you don't necessarily agree with it or so, or like, you know, after something the, yeah. at that time, instead of later being like, yeah, I always thought that was an issue. And it's like, then why didn't you say anything when you could have changed it? Yeah, I would say that. Um, Not coming for Jim Carrey. I do love Jim Carrey, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's, I think I've grown a lot in the past um, 10 years, probably. Like, uh, I think I've learned a lot more, especially, you know, I would say that my knowledge of of um, uh, people that are transgender uh, has exponentially opened up and given me that information of, of sort of like, you know, like it was, it was something that's not immediately natural to you. So my old, old me would have been like, that's weird. But now I've sort of crested out of that. I'm like, that's not weird. It's a person. And it's, it's so, it's almost embarrassing to look back at how one may have thought of an entire groups of people just because one didn't understand it. Um, and that to me, so like, you know, people will be like, oh, well, you said this thing a while ago and be like, yeah, I, it was awful. I totally like that was gross. And I, I regret every single moment of that. I love these people that are like, I'm never going to apologize for a joke. I'm like, yeah, because maybe you should. Yeah. Like, like, it what was your point? Yeah, because it's like the whole point of comedy is to try to make people laugh and to feel good. And that's it's the whole thing of like punch up, don't punch down. So yeah. like Yeah, if like you're just if that's your whole thing, your whole shtick is just, you know, crapping on people that have it worse than you, then you're not really that funny, truth be told. So Maybe yeah. you should apologize not only for being offensive, but for making a career doing something you're not very good at. I mean, <laughs> I love the way you landed that. Uh, that That's the best way you could have said that phrase. And that's a good point, too. We're like, oh, if you have to hurt somebody in order to be funny, you're not actually funny. You're lazy. Yeah, um, you're it, someone who thinks they're funny, which is the worst kind of comic. <laughs> um, you, what you... um famously um you uh dress up uh when you go to conventions a lot um what are some of your favorite characters to cosplay i mean i my they change all the time and it's i mean it also depends too because i'll dress up even if it's if i'm on a panel and for some of the bigger ones like the ticketed ones like the game of thrones panel at comic-con and the um um, the Star Wars panel at Comic-Con, I was wearing like big intricate outfits. And I was like, you know what? Don't, don't do this on stage. <laughs> like to bring this in a little bit. So it kind of depends like what the situation is. Um, but there was one day that we, that I went to Comic-Con that I didn't have any panels. I was just going as a fan that day. Like I wasn't working i just got to go and hang out and have fun um so a bunch of my friends and i all dressed up as glow versions like 80 80s wrestler versions of um marvel and dc characters like i, as if we I were, like that like, yeah as if we were fighting each other and so that one um ended up in a whole bunch of like comic-con faces of comic-con things that year that people sent me like two years later that i had never seen so what was, that one was pretty cool what was your character 
Uh, Harley Quinn, of course, because I put it together. So I got to pick. So I picked the best. I mean, that's not such a bad idea. <laughs> I remember I uh, my I used to go to conventions a lot and my ex-wife wanted to she wanted to dress up. So she dressed up as retro girl from Powers. And I I was just like there to hold the purse, basically, which was fine. I ended up being like plastered across the Internet like in the like of being like in the background trying to be out of the way you know but like and people would like talk about me and they'd be like yeah the 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 boyfriend i don't know if he liked comics or anything like that but uh you know she was really and i was like no man, i was just you weren't there for me i was just giving you space because like the last thing you need is like the big scary husband or boyfriend to be like stop stop talking to me i was like take your photo do your thing keep your don't be a creep and we're fine but it was very funny to see people on like message boards talking about how I probably wasn't a nerd. I can never look at the any of the comments for anything because that's always I mean, I've been cornered at conventions, too, where I'm where I've had people kind of grill me on characters. I was going to oh, ask you about that's that. Infuriating. Did it's you, infuriating. Do you get that so a lot? Yeah. Me up on like a, a black canary one. Like, yeah, I, well, not so much now, but when I was going and like not doing panels and wasn't, you know, like appearing mm -hmm. on anything, but just because I liked it, like, you know, 15 years or so ago too. When also it was weird because convention started as a female primarily thing. It was like sci-fi conventions, Star Trek conventions that were started by women mm -hmm. that were, you know, meetups. And then as soon as it became a male dominated space and it was like, women get out of here. Like we want to gatekeep everything. And it's so weird. Cause it's like, shut up D bag. Like this was started like, shut up. Yeah. I, it's so y'all. <laughs> I've never understood that level of nerddom. And I think there, there are things to it that I, that I sort of factor in there where, if you don't fit somebody's ideal of what a nerd is, and it usually is whatever I, the person who is angry, thinks. So like if if you're if it's your stereotypical like comic book nerd and stuff, if you don't look like them and if you don't if you didn't visibly go through the same struggles that they did, they can't understand that you would be in that space. And I've dealt with that too, but from the looking like a bully aspect of it. Well, mine is also like, I'm like, you guys, I am not from here. I grew up in Alabama, like in the nineties when this was not cool. <laughs> I got beat up a lot. Like oh. I had like big Barbie bangs and braces and wore very, like I, I, I was very obsessed with boy bands. I was not a cool kid ever in school. Like I like was in super into anime and things that people thought were weird. And so like people would rip up my comic books and I would cry and they would think it was hilarious. Like, I mean, kids are deep bags. Kids, like, kids yeah. are just the worst everywhere. So as adults try to be a little bit nicer to people. I used to get a lot of stares and like kind of like rude things from um, people when I worked at a comic shop, ironically. So when I was working at a comic book shop and like if anybody was like looking like they needed help and I'd offer and they would kind of scoff like they'd be like, like, what do you know about Batman? I'm like, I don't know more than you. Probably. That's why I work here and you don't like I am offering help. If you don't want help, I'll go off. But until then, like I'm here and like I oh. get a lot of times when people who don't know me when I come in to, to lead the panel and then 
like I introduced myself or whatever and they're like okay so is the moderator coming and I'm like I'm the moderator and they're like oh yeah okay and you can tell like they kind of are like oh this is going to be somebody who's not going to know anything who's not going to ask me anything. but and so sometimes I do see that I'm like okay cool 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 it is it is one of those things. It's like where nerds have become the new bullies and you see it uh, say it sounds like your Alexa just went off. I, yeah, I'm like it's literally my Google just said howdy for no reason, but oh. I guess it just wanted to let you know that it's here. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you, Google. Um, there is that sort of nerds becoming the new bullies thing, which we see a lot on social media as a you know it's not just in the places where that are supposed to be safe spaces like conventions but also now on social media you see it a lot too and it's one of the things that i very much have rallied against um throughout my existence in the nerd sector being a sort of a person of interest as a nerd to really sort of fight and be like no man you don't own comics like you don't own fandom you don't you own being a comics fan just as much as an eight-year-old girl that is picking up her first comic book. Like you have, there's like no right that people have in there. And so I love sort of battling that. I mean, cause I hate it. Like there's a thing now where they're like planning to like cancel HBO max unless their Snyder demands are met. And I'm just like, that is so absurd. I'm so sick of talking about the effing Snyder verse. I've been talking about this for like, years because of dc movie news and stuff too and i'm like look look yes would his version be better yes because he had a concept throughout but tragedy struck and this was a very unfortunate situation so as a studio they would lose too much money if they delayed it so stop saying that the studio should have just delayed it for however long, because that's not how things freaking work. Like, yes, it would be ideal if the fans got everything that we wanted. That would be phenomenal. But it's never going to freaking happen because it's not possible. And the other part of that, too, everyone. the other part of that, too, is I don't think fans actually know what they want. I think fans I, I think fans are the worst people to ask about what should be in a movie because and I think a good, the best example of that would be like Michael Keaton or Heath Ledger's casting, where you cast people that are very talented at what they do, but because they don't fit what your average fan wants or your average diehard fan or whatever, because it doesn't fit that very specific thing, they lost their minds. And so it's like, yeah, well, that's because you're stupid, man. I don't know what to tell you. Like, you have no vision, no creative vision. It's why you only consume. Well, I'm also like, you aren't running the castings. Yeah. You haven't been to the reads. You haven't seen what they have seen. You think that's the only effing person that they auditioned for yeah, right. one of the biggest roles that is going to be out like for in the world? Of course they went through a casting process. If he was the best person for the role, especially if it's creating hype with people saying, I'm downplaying this person as not being good. That's why I'm like, Robert Pattinson's casting was the most oh. brilliant thing they could have done. I was like, they went full-fledged Heath Ledger with it. I And also Pattinson it. was even less of a risk because if you look at some of his earlier work, I'm like, he's just being Bruce Wayne right now. Like, <laughs> Dude, he's such a talented actor. It's and, ridiculous. And people, he's so good. He, here's and people the, just go, sparkly vampire boy, I don't want him in my bat suit. That, that's exactly right, is that people <laughs> don't understand that roles are not people. 
So they'd yeah. be like, like, we need a sparkly vampire. I'm like, he also hated that character, for one. Do you for think he actually walks in the sun yeah. and glitters? Like, like come yeah. on, man. It's like, oh, that's an actor named Robert, not yeah, a vampire. He doesn't actually fly either. That would be very yeah. convenient if he could do that. But but that's not the case. Yeah, the, it just. Vampire bat, man. Just get with it. It's It's so exhausting. <laughs> And it's actually one of the things that, uh, you know, when I was with the old company, like the, I was really told that I couldn't speak out against was that sort of like toxic fandom. I still did. Um, but there was that aspect where they were like, you know, you don't want to talk about that because they spend a lot of money. <laughs> and uh, and so you start to sort of get angry at, you know, like that was actually one of my big problems with quarantine was anger. Like I started to like really sort of internalize and not be able to compartmentalize people's behaviors and people's behaviors got awful last year. Mm -hmm. Um, how did you, how did you handle quarantine? How, how, what was your COVID experience like? Um, mine's still going strong because, um, uh, with autoimmune disorders, we're like having to hold up a little bit longer here, but basically, um, locking myself away in my house, staying away from everyone, getting my food delivered as much as possible. So I don't have to go out at all. Um, that was part of my like fitness thing too, is I was trying to order like healthy things that would like delivery services that could come. And then I wouldn't have to cook. And then I would be like, okay, if you leave the house, you're going to get trash. But if you stay here, you'll eat this healthy stuff and then you'll feel better. Uh, but yeah, I mean, pretty much just staying inside. That's why my sister is out here with me now. Um, she has MS, so trying to kind of keep her away from everyone as well. So she's sequestering with me. And so it's just us kind of holding down the fort. Have you murdered each other yet or thought about it? Or have you both been sort of uh, very cool about everything or, or has it when kind I of say my you? sister is here? I mean, very Norman Bates style as in like, <laughs> she's just up, you know, in the window in a rocking chair. And occasionally I'll wear her clothes and yell at people from the window. I'm not mad about it's that. Easier than stabbing at six feet. I'm like, no, I can't. Yeah. How am I going to stab at six feet? You need a sword. Yeah. That's what you need. You can't, can't just use a knife. Yeah. I, uh, it, it has been sort of this interesting thing where, you know, I, I've managed to like, like a lot of people have been asking about the mask thing and they've been like, you know, like, are you going to wear a mask, you know, after, after everything? And like, I know everybody's like, yes, I can't wait. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not, I can't wait to not have to wear one, but I'm super into them now wearing yeah. them now i'm like well now yeah like and the way i explained it is like i got drafted into this war but i don't want to extend my 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 leave or i don't want to extend my my tour you know like i'm in and i'm gonna fight valiantly but once that's over i'm gonna get so Dude. sick i'm gonna stop washing my hands <laughs> i think because i've just had like anxiety disorders for so long it was as soon as this hit it was like my brain was like okay this is our moment you know, you've been everything that you thought could possibly go wrong. You spent your whole life being like, but what if something does go wrong? Now it has game plan, get ready. And so I was able to kind of, you know, I, it's ridiculous though, that I am so, because I'm so worried about it, I'm kind of a little bit more over the edge than I think most people, but like my sister gets so mad because I make her wear this giant like P100 mask when we go out because I'm like, we're not taking any risks, man. 95s are not good enough. You need a hundred. Like, oh, wow. She's like, I look like an idiot. And so I bedazzled 
She was like, not better. <laughs> I mean, the thing about people that are like, well, I look stupid. It's like, what are you trying to get laid? Like, like, what do you care if you look stupid? You're not going to know anybody when we go out. But I mean, it. I mean, it's to the point that if you wear a mask, that's like basically a gas mask. People are going to comment. Right. Fuck so them. it's like it was at that point that she was like, OK, people are like talking to me, though, and I want them to stay away from me. So that's not good. Get her some pepper okay. spray that travels six feet. People started coming over to you to talk. I just, just, I have it every. I have my spray everywhere, everywhere, yeah. all over the house, and like every bag. It's in like the pockets of like her jackets. Mine. I'm like sanitized everything. It it is interesting, sort of as we as we sort of uh, are cresting uh, into May uh, in the spring. So it's been over a year, and there's a lot of people that are just like that think the pandemic is over because they're over it. Yeah. Um. And it's, you know, like, I understand like the, you know, everybody, people are getting vaccinated, but I know people that are still doing like indoor comedy shows. And I'm just like, oh, do you not know what was going on? Like, is that not, is it, do they need to bring their vaccine car? Oh no. So it's just that we just stopped caring. Okay, great. Besides my sister, I haven't even had anybody come over to my house in over a year. Like no friends have come here. I've had friends like stand on the porch from like far away and like done an open the door and like wave type deal like just to be like hey so you see another human like when i was totally by myself here just so they're like just so there's human contact yeah. at some point that you see people because you're like that's important to some degree but it sure is i'm a person who recharges by being around people and this year has been it's been the worst year of my life well, also early on when it was like, I had my dream job, I had everything lined up and things were going just amazingly. And I was so excited and I couldn't wait to start filming my new show that was supposed to start in April, the first week of April. And then March oh, no. 13th, I get the call that they're like, Hey, we're pulling the entire U S branch. So not only is your job like furloughed, it's done because they think that the U S is not going to handle this well. Yeah, they nailed that. Yeah. So I was like, okay, great, 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 great. And so that was done. And then everything else that I, like all the other studios, they, they shut down. And then like Universal shut down, everybody shut down around this Friday the 13th. And I was like, oh my God, every time I pick up my phone, it's someone else that I work for saying we're done for the, we don't know for how long. Yeah. We canceled uh mint on card. My, my live standup show was supposed to be Friday the 13th. And, you know, we decided to cancel it a few days before we didn't like, you know, it was like, I think we, we said on like that Tuesday, I was just like, you know, like I, I kept being like, no, we can keep distance. Okay. And then I was like, no, I don't want anybody to die. Like that's really what it comes down to is like inspiring someone to die is such a huge factor when it comes to when you are in the public eye and there is that responsibility. And I know recently there was a whole thing about Joe Rogan telling people like not to get the vaccine if they're young and healthy. Ridiculous. And it's ridiculous. And it's like, dude, you, you have a responsibility. Yeah. Like absurd. Uh, it's, There's so many people saying things. There was like, just, I, there, Oh my God. I was just losing my mind. The, like looking at all the stuff that I was like, Guys, come on now. How how stupidity got so popular is crazy to me. Like, I well, know it's that also people selfishness. It's people who are like, if it's not going to affect me directly, then who cares? And it's like, because you can give it to someone else that it can kill I or their whole family. Yeah. You did. I see that a lot too, where people are like, well, if I'm taken care of, 
Like I'm covered. I got the vaccine. So now I can go do selfish things. And it's like, yeah, but there are still other people that are looking at you that are paying attention to what you do that are inspired by you. And they'll see that. And they might, you know, it's like why I'm not going to go tour. I'm not going to go do stand up because like I don't want to be like, oh, well, I'm going to be in Cincinnati. Uh, make sure you're safe. It's going to be socially distanced. Somebody in Cincinnati is like, oh, well, he's never going to come to Cincinnati again. So I got to go see him. That person gets sick. And then I'm like, oh, that was not worth the eight hundred dollars or whatever, you know. That's my thing. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. This is sucked because now I have absolutely no money. All of my savings, everything that I had, like that's what I've been living off of. So it's like, okay, yeah, you're starting completely over because even when things go quote unquote back to normal, my industry doesn't really exist anymore in a lot of, in a lot of aspects. And so, you know, one-on-one interviews and things I can still potentially do, but not even for me for a while. Yeah. because it's not really safe for me to be around anyone yet. And then even when that happens, you know, a lot of my, my bread and butter was red carpets and events and our red carpet event. I mean, and what celebrity and what publicist is going to say, yeah, let's risk it. So, so now that, you that, know? that leads to my next question is, so what, what do you like? What do you, what's your plan? What are you going to do? Oh, mom. You have this conversation every time I call. No, No, but I mean, it is a fair Uh, thing because like I, you know, stand up is, has shifted monumentally. I was supposed to record an album last year. Yeah. And now I'm like, I'm restarting stand up as in like conceptually, like I haven't even, I haven't performed in front of anybody in a year. So it's like going to do a travel show and it's like, okay, well, how do I adapt this to make this work? Because Lord knows I'm not, you know, going to be like, I can't wait to be in an enclosed space with a lot of strangers to film. Yeah. Right. You know, like, yeah, thank you. Um, And even a lot of the things that I did with pop-ups and stuff, it's like, those are going to be totally different because so many of them were about interactive elements that now, can you imagine diving into a big thing of sprinkles that other people had been in like as a fun experience? It's like, uh, it. To, to me, like what's weird to me is that didn't like I know that that like COVID really did fundamentally change a lot of people's uh, viewpoints on things. Uh, I know it was like very much like, oh, I'm you know, I'm never you know going to be touching doorknobs again for the rest of my life or something like that. That didn't click with me. Um, for me, it was a big thing on like uh, sort of like behavior and consideration of other people. That was the thing that really. um really landed for me. Yeah. I feel like it's just people have zero consideration. I mean, there are people who are saying that they don't care if other people die as long as they can get a haircut. And I'm like, okay, well, this just lets me know exactly the type of people that are, sorry, there's a squirrel at my window and I see that feed her. So no, okay. My window occasionally. So, so uh, for those of you, I know we are an audio podcast, but uh, Elena is being visited right now by a squirrel uh, that is waiting for food. And Elena is feeding that squirrel. How long has this been going on? Um, you know, when you aren't interacting with any humans for quarantine, uh, you spend over a year befriending a bunch of squirrels. And so now they come to my porch every day and they scratch on my window to get my attention. And I, uh, 
keep old containers and various kinds of nuts for them. Uh, well, while you're doing that, I would like to take a minute to talk about my Patreon sponsors, the producers of the show that have given me a gloriously generous $10 a month for me to say their names. Uh, Elaine, I'm going to say some names of some people and then you can feel free to comment on them as we go through. You ready? Awesome. First off, we have Kimball, the fully sanctioned buffoon. Uh, Ooh, we have sanctioned. I know we have Jeff May is like Spider-Man because they're both OP, but don't act like it. Uh, Billy, not related to Cody Beck, followed by Cody Beck. Uh, get vaccinated, you chuckleheads. The 5G lets you see sound and then you can go see your friends again. Let's go. Uh, Black Agar Boltagon, uh, for those of you Inhumans fans. The AV Foundry, Big Booty Boy, 42069. <laughs> nice. Proto Clown, capable of withstanding both shoes. Defainter of Deflator Mouse. Russell from Jersey, Pizza, Bagels, Taylor Ham. Bold and Brash, more like belongs in the trash. Logan Rerisich, uh, excuse me, that was a fun way. Uh, hi, I'm Super Fudge. Welcome to Fudgemania. Craft beer makes my alcoholism look like a neat hobby. Willie Dustus, Jez Butt, Sadovan Parks, Foshizless Jones, uh, Gray Man of the Fireside. Shizless Jones is just an extra fun one. I'm sorry. Just shout out for that one. Continue. Say it again. It feels good. Foshizless Jones. Yeah, it's fun to say, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Fashizless it is. Fashizless it is. Mm -hmm. The Ian McClendon, El Seldo, Exploding Runes, Bart Fartigan, Jennifer Fendelander, The Most Well-Prepared Dead Guy, which I love the name, but I'm like, I don't know how to prepare for that. Uh, DavyFrancis.com. I didn't kill my wife, uh, which is fun. It's fun that they make me say that. I, that, I like that. Yeah. Uh, Adrian, Kelly Stanaway, Silius Ruby. Uh, ooh, Dr. DNA, uh, Burrito okay. Mouth, Rudy Rueda, Stephen Huey, Taurus Bulba, Mind Freak 555, at Gavin underscore not with two T's, Jessica Robertson, Captain Fat Strong, Gregorio, Andrew doesn't even like sports, Left Gray Man of the Fireside, Ricky Cilantro, at Nerd Numbers, Mackenzie Chill, Dan Hackroyd, that's a good one. Murph the Murph. And joke's on you. Andrew loves sports. Yeah. Oh, that's a, it's a real, well, that's, uh, it's a fun reference to my, my podcast. You don't even like sports. Uh, the sports yeah, podcast for people who don't like Andrew sports, just like Andrew. Uh, show me in the rules where it says a dog can't play basketball. Uh, brought to you by Russell Richardson's Twitter at hello Tardis. Sophia Hapgood, the ghost of Dave Thomas. Shebrew sleeps. Norm from Cheers. Love that show. Love that guy. Norm. Norm. I watch Airbud now. I mean, who among us doesn't want to watch Airbud? I think I'm gonna. I mean, that was a sign. You get a projector, go outside, have somebody sit 40 feet away from you, and you can enjoy it. <laughs> um, Vorta Spin, Normal Man, That's Andrew cool. McGuire, Jolly Buckaroo, Dill Havarti, JK, Jeff May's biggest fan, uh, Fashizless Jones. Uh, did that, did I say that twice? I might have. Yeah. Uh, you know yep. what? And that is, you did. Uh, oh God, I'm such a fool. Uh, God, I got to charge him extra now. Uh, David, nice boot. You Hint. will be invoiced for every yeah. time we've said your name. It's going to be a lot too. Jones. Just a whole lot. Uh, David, knife boot, Hinson, funky J Saint gut free Instagrams at Bob underscore of underscore skull. 
Mike Gotts, uh, or Gouts, uh, Grumbleby. Grumbleby. Cronenberger, Nolan Matin, these seven Bs, Kool-Aid Molotov, and of course, all the people that did not get their names to me in time, but I definitely appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, every episode, uh, I give you an opportunity to give me your uh, permanent or temporary producer name, and that is available at patreon.com slash Jeff May. Uh, if you are listening on the Patreon, thank you so much uh, for listening. Uh, boy, that's a lot of names. I probably should have. You're popular. People like your show. Look I, at you. I probably should have capped off the producer, <laughs> the producer number, <laughs> but I was also uh, hemorrhaging money. So I was yeah. just like, I should probably do something where people can do this and I can survive because that's been hard. I think we I think the last year forced us all to find weird ways to survive. What have you been doing? Yeah. Well, I did, um, I have been working, I had taught acting before in person, which of course was shut down. Um, but then I had a company reach out and ask if I wanted to teach some Zoom classes. And I was like, well, let's see how this goes. Ended up really, really liking it. So um, was able to kind of move my acting studio online and then kind of take full ownership of it. So now I am the full owner and CEO of Kids Acting Upward, which is um, a, um, an acting studio that focuses on a variety of different topics from auditioning techniques to specific, you know, auditioning for agents to a big one is marketing and kind of how to find your type, the best ways to find your type and the best way to market for your type and things. So things that I like doing anyway, and because I work really well with kids and, and kind of break things down and simplify bigger comp concepts into kind of what size chunks is it like are, are we talking when we say kids are we talking like six and seven are we talking 15 are we talking like it, covers goes, it really varies it's yeah. um typically the youngest that i'll teach is eight because i feel like you know sometimes we'll make exceptions but um i feel like kind of before that they're not quite really grasping it's more of like you say something and they kind of mimic it back okay um type thing like when you're on set most of the time so because I'm like well these kids aren't really acting as much like when I worked with like the little little ones it tends to just be okay we'll say it like this and then they say it and then they record the kid kind of saying it back the same way and so they just have the short lines but when you're you know a little bit older then you can kind of actually you can put them in the mood of going on and absorb it yeah but we go all the way up to like young adults to you know 20 up to like 21. oh wonderful and what's so, the, so like, what's, I was going to say, I, I wasn't ex class, obviously. I wasn't expecting this to be necessarily an ad, but of course this is an ad for you yourself as a person anyway. <laughs> um, so um, that being said, uh, like how, if somebody say has a kid and they wanted to get them into this world, uh, where would they want to go for that? Uh, you can check out kidsactingupward.com. Um, you can also just reach out to me as well, Elena J. Jordan at gmail.com is my personal one, but it's also Elena at kidsactingupward.com. <laughs> um, but yeah, right now our classes are kind of booked up, I think, but we have- It's not uh, bad. It's not a bad know, problem. Cool, um, to have some wait lists for, for cancellations and things as well. But we're also adding a few more classes because as we get interest, more interest for from a specific age group for a certain class that, you know, maybe at a certain time we were just gearing it towards one age group, we might create a secondary class on a different day. Um, did 
So, so, so here's my question then, um, is, and this is a weird question and, and I guess you don't have to answer it because it is, I, I guess, slightly personal, but do you find that by doing this over zoom and making it more accessible, that it's actually become a better business model than what it was before? I just think it's more fun because I get to also talk to a, and teach a bunch of different kids who aren't located in LA because a lot of the kids who are specifically in LA kind of already know how some of these things work or have access to that information a lot more easily. Whereas somebody like where I started in Alabama, maybe like, I don't know how any of this even works. Like, what do I do? How do I do this? And may even think that it's not possible. And since I started out there, it's like, you know, there's ways to do it. You just have to kind of know how. And also my big thing is that a lot of these kids need somebody just to kind of let them know that they're good and kind of give them permission to try things that may or may not succeed because if one thing fails they don't feel stupid because they know the next thing they do is going to be really awesome and they're just going to keep playing with things until they find something that really works so and that's that's probably my favorite part is just seeing kids who were super shy and nervous and didn't even want to talk day one at the end just being like big smile and confident and just their whole stature changes it's pretty cool. I have a, a friend who who recently contacted me because his niece uh, is about to uh, graduate from uh, college with an engineering degree. And she informed her family that she was going to um, move to LA to pursue acting. The problem is she's never done anything like that ever. And he's like, can you, um, can you, call this family can you like call my family and talk to them about like the realism aspect of this and so that's something yeah. that's like you know a lot of people in places that are not los angeles or new york that want to get into this thing but they don't necessarily have access to that so i'm glad that you are sort of granting that access like how many acting schools are, are in dayton ohio you know like maybe yeah. one but the fact that you can now have that accessibility is pretty fantastic. One of the coolest things too, um, that I just kind of didn't even think until I started talking to, you know, some of the kids with the other program and asking what would be really helpful was because I have access to, you know, a registry of different agents and different things that are in different locations, then I can just pull that up and then say, okay, this is who you need to submit to. So once we kind of have their marketing plan, then I have like a list of specific agents with a breakdown kind of, of how it works. I'm like, pick which one you want to send out to first, and then we'll submit kind of on your behalf and send it out. So then they don't feel like they're kind of completely on their own too, which is, that's pretty rad. That's kind of one of the biggest, most helpful things I think is just to kind of feel like you have somebody in your corner who's like rooting for you. Well, and, and you being that person, I mean, I looked at it and, you know, you've got such a great, you know, obviously your acting uh, experience is really great. Your uh, voiceover, you won what, three awards uh, last year for voiceover? Yeah, I won a few. I, well, I won, um, I won the communicator award. I won the Golden Communicator Award for the long form after buzz interview with Brooke Lewis. And then the Vega Award was also for long form interview. And then I won um, two AVA awards for two different voiceover projects. One is um, called It Listens from the Radio, which is this really fun kind of retro horror 
scripted podcast from Brendan Haley, which is just so much fun. I got to play the most over the top characters on, on that one. And it was just an absolute blast. Um, and then the other one, Relativity, this was actually the final season of a multi We've been doing it God, over, over five years now, I think either six or seven total um, that this series has been going on. And then very last episodes came out this year. So, and without even really meaning to, it was kind of crazy because a lot of it was about kind of like a pandemic, like viral type thing. Oh, great. Happened. Yeah. So I was like, oh, well, look at that. Well, hmm. but um, it's set like way in the future and it's like this whole like space thing, but that was one of the most fun projects I think I've ever gotten to work on. So when that one ended, it was, you know, pretty bittersweet. So shout out to Lee, Lee Shackelford. He's an amazing writer. Oh, great. Um, he wrote like Star Trek, new, oh. <laughs> Star Trek Next Generation script. Yeah. So it's like, it makes sense that he knows how to write sci-fi. Yeah, Lee Shackelford is one. not, that's that's a name that's pretty, pretty noticeable and recognizable. He's, he's dope too. He's the one who wrote, um, because he wrote all the Sherlock Holmes things and was, you know, so well-known for Sherlock Holmes. Um his wife, Karen, who is absolutely amazing, uh, does a lot of psychology, like nerd psychology and kind of the, the psychology of nerddom and characters and oh. fandom. Um, and so she did kind of a whole thing on like nerd feminism and it resulted in creating this female centric Sherlock Holmes series that uh, we just did the pilot for, but I got to be in it. And so that was kind of a, a dream come true too. But then moving to to doing this voiceover project that then hearing it all mixed together and it being so I don't know I like that one a lot because my mom is a big fan of it too so anytime that my oh, mom yeah. likes something then I like it more I don't think <laughs> my mom has heard anything I've done and I think that's probably for the best my like, mom would listen to my American Horror Story after shows because she liked American Horror Story. But I was like, this is not good. This is what I'm saying. Like the worst stuff, like anything that like I don't have like an age restriction on. Yeah, but I'm she's like, a oh. fan of the show. So that that's good. You know, it's I not. Know she's a fan of her daughter. being. <laughs> I mean, you're the con- you're the conduit but, to the information. Yeah, yeah, because you did you work. Um, <laughs> You did a lot of those um, after buzz shows like there. And, and uh, you worked for Maria Menounos, a Boston girl. Um, yes, and a, she's so cool. A too. fantastic entrepreneur too. somebody that that pulled themselves sort of, you know, it's not every day that, you know, you go from sort of like just like a, an entertainment reporter, all things considered to becoming this like magnate, um, this sort of like this, this boss This she's at the beginning of every movie that I've ever been to, uh, in LA, yeah. she's there telling you like, Hey, it's me, Maria Menounos. Let's talk about some stuff before you watch Godzilla versus King Kong. Um, which is great. Um, I have, yeah. I have a couple more nerdy questions for you because I know it's, uh, you know, we're, we're creeping towards that time here. And, uh, and I know that you, you probably have a million things to do today. Uh, a million squirrels to feed. So many squirrels to feed. Um, if you could be in any superhero film, what would it be? And who would you play? That is huge. Um, Ooh, that's really difficult. I I really like the idea of doing like a Black Canary origin. That's like like if if DC moved to kind of like the the Marvel type 
and I, I don't want to go into Snyderverse, like going too much <laughs> into that because I know people are going to go, they tried to, this is it's Snyder. And you said, mm. but anyway, if they kind of go to where it's like kind of an overarching thing, I think it would be really cool to have kind of like a, um, a Dinah Drake version of Black Canary, mm-hmm. Black Canary and seeing kind of that with Green Arrow and seeing that progress because I like when they first meet, like she just basically kicks his ass. So it's like their whole relationship is so weird um so that and then having kind of passing the torch to Dinah Lance her daughter and I think that would be kind of a a fun story to explore um Harley Quinn I know is one that you know it's been done so many different iterations but there is and this is kind of ridiculous because I don't think it'll ever happen but I wrote like a treatment for it because I want it to happen so bad I want like a dark a really dark legit like harley quinn origin that is like a parallel for actual abusive relationships that outlines like where she is not like i fell in love with a joker and on april fool's day i broke him out and ran him out of the uh, out of arkham asylum i want it to be like she was manipulated and also was chemically injected with levels of serotonin norepinephrine and dopamine to try to create a love potion but with the wrong levels, it just makes you schizophrenic. So the same chemicals that make you fall, and this is scientifically accurate, the same chemicals that make you fall in love when they're, the levels are kind of not correctly there. It's the same thing that if you look at somebody who's schizophrenic, so when people say you're crazy in love, it's a real thing. So seeing her as Harleen trying to break through and seeing her kind of regain consciousness, almost like a Jessica Jones type situation where mm-hmm. she's like, okay, this is my environment. This is my chance. I got to get out. And then that injection again, and then turning back into Harley and not really fully having control of herself, I think would be the coolest role to play. That is an excellent way of and doing her eventually that, yeah. breaking out and getting free and having potentially poison Ivy be the one who creates the, the, the anti anti venom. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's like really fun. A plant that she could create. That would be the best way to do it because it's the only way to take joker down i think would be brilliant that is pretty and it's i would a, love to play that character and have her be older too because they always have her like really young a lot of times and it's weird to me yeah i always <laughs> feel like i've aged out of being uh anything in this town where i'm just i'm just like ah, i just feel just a thousand years old and i don't think i'm, I'm like, that maybe old i can play a mom in one of the new shazams right like wouldn't that be not yeah just make <laughs> Just, just that's the best. Like the best I'll be able to get is like sporty stepdad. Like that's essentially like the vibe that I'm bringing uh, to this. Which is, uh, that's not fair. I mean, it's it's great for all stepdads. Good for you. You're heroes too. Um, but you know, I always feel like I was like, oh, like I, I uh, aged fast. You know, I'm a white guy. I, we age like milk. You know, it's like, I feel like, yeah, I'm like, I don't think you need to really worry about it, though, because, you know, the thing about, you know, older white guys, though, is they still get cast in roles that could go to the youngins. It's just, you know, the Jennifer Lawrence's that come in that are like, I'm 19. And they're like, we're going to put you with this 42 year old. Yeah, this looks right. Yeah, this is your husband is 50. Makes sense. Um, Yeah, no, it is very funny because every every gig that I ever really got was just like, they're like, all right, you're a cop or you're like a, a thug. Like that was, it. I was always just, they're like, all right, well, this is you. Yeah. This is, you know, you are your size and uh, you have that face. So this is what you're going to be. And I'm like, cool. 
I'm glad I can have fun with the role by being the same person every fucking time. Yeah, I had to like actively go against anything that was just like prostitute, funny prostitute. I had like, somebody leave her, that. Yeah. Not a prostitute because she doesn't get paid. And you're like, good God. All right. I, Stripper I, number three. And you're like, I don't. This I, is, okay. I don't want this. Yeah. I had a friend that left. I studied for this, guys. I had a friend who left uh, <laughs> acting because that was the only roles that she could get were, were those roles. And she's like, no, I'm like, I'm, I'm over this. And she's like a doctor now. <laughs> she's just like, how about I just have a nice life and not worry about like a bunch opposite. of. Yeah. How about I just do like med school peace? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to LA. Yeah. Nobody asks me to be a prostitute, uh, you know, when I'm uh, a doctor. So that works. Um, Elena, I am uh, going to mercifully let you go because uh, I know that you've got so much going on uh, and you're so fantastic. Um, if you guys want to follow her on social media, which you absolutely do, check out Elena J. Jordan. That's her Instagram handle, at Elena J. Jordan. And on Twitter, it is at Elena Jordan without the extra J in, in there, right? Yes. And you have to also kind of say that it's spelled like Alana. It's A-L-A-N-A. Can I say something? Everyone goes with the E and everyone's like, can I say something? Uh, Yes. My nephew's dead name is Alana. Um, Oh, really? And so I have called you you in my head, Alana, until 2018. Because I think that was like the last time that you and I had ever really hung out and you had said your name. And in my head, I was just like, all right. Yeah. I've been doing that wrong for five years. Okay. That's cool. So many people do. Everybody does. And it's not your fault because especially anybody in comedy, because you are, again, like we said, one of the first people I met when I moved out here, every, every comedy show that I did, they would introduce me and I would always say, Elena, think like E's, like Elena. And they would go up and they would go, Alana Jordan. And I was like, cool. This is everyone. No one knows my, my friends don't know my name. <laughs> yeah. I, well, it's funny because I made it a point to remind myself and I have written right here on my notebook uh, that that it's Elena with and I, I, I spelled it phonetically just because I instinctively, you know, I grew up for, you know, 16 years having, you know, a quote niece named Alana and then now it's my my nephew. Um, and so it actually makes, so it, makes it so much easier. easier now. Oh, I, you, yeah. it's your name now. And and I'm never gonna yeah, feel like, retire Alana. There's no more Alanas. Just a late. There can be only one. And that, only me. I'm gonna be honest. Like, it's not a bad one to have left. If we can only pick one Elena slash Alana, uh, I would. I think it should be you. Yeah, you're a you're Either a, me or Honey Boo Boo. One of the two. Uh no, you. <laughs> <laughs> I th- I stand by what Those I are said. The most famous ones, I think. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's fair. And I think that's great. Um, if you, uh, follow, Oh, I forgot to also say, uh, any other projects or anything we should be looking for in the future from you. Um, if you guys watch the Schmodown or are fans of the Schmodown, I am going to be competing in the first class league. So if you like puns, Get ready, because there's about to be an upsetting number of them. Yeah, you're a pun master, I believe. So uh, that is, I have, there are a couple people I know that are in that as well. I think uh, Eric Barnes as well is going to be a part of that. Good friend of the show, a good friend of mine. 
And you know, I, I know that I, I'm so I, I love all the people at the Schmodown, or, or at least most of the people. I don't know all of them, but uh, it's a great, uh, great group of people. Great, wonderful, wonderful crew. Um, so definitely check that out. Uh, Elena, uh, you are fantastic. Uh, thank you so much for spending time to talk to me. It means the world to me every time I get to see your face. So thank you. You are the best, Jeff. I had so much fun talking to you. Oh, thank Make you. it a more regular thing. Yeah, let's do that. Let's 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 yeah. make that. I mean, granted, of course, you know, the world is still uh, falling apart, but hopefully that will stop falling apart soon. Uh, and then we can see each other face to face instead of just zoom face to zoom face. You can meet the squirrels. I, I you know what I don't have enough of in my life? Friendly squirrels. Oh, they're still they're right outside still. They're just uh, you've created an army. You're yeah. like squirrel girl. Um. That's, that's who I should have said. I should have said Squirrel Girl, and then Jessica Jones could have been there. Oh, I'm realizing again, that right I'm like now. Babysitting, not yeah. It's fine. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> you can find me on social media at Hey There Jeffro, but you're probably on my Patreon right now. So like, if you're not following me on social media, that's just kind of a dick move. Uh, but you can of course <laughs> check out all the stuff I have. You don't even like sports on the Unpopular Opinion Network. Gamefully Unemployed's Tom and Jeff watch Batman. Elena Jordan, you are my absolute favorite. Thank you so much for spending time with me. All right. My uh, favorite. Oh, get out of here with that. But OK, you can say that again. I'm OK. Uh, thank you all for listening. And we will talk to you in two weeks. Bye. Our artwork is created by Justin T. Brown, who can be found at Artness by Justin Brown on Instagram, as well as artnessbyjustinbrown.com. That dope music you heard is by Troy Nababon, available at Troy Nababon on Instagram, as well as at troynababon.com. Nababon is spelled N-A-B-A-B-A-N, and boy, does that shred. Thank you all so much for listening. See you next time.